Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. San Diego 101. When you think of San Diego, what comes to mind? The ocean is always um, kind of the background sound. I think to me more than music, I mean, music comes and goes, but not just the sound of the ocean, but kind of June gloom is, is what I think of so often, right? And, it's, and it reminds me of San Diego because it always, the expectation is it's so much sunnier and prettier than it actually is, but it allows us to hope like, oh, but this is June and, and this is how, you know, this is how it's supposed to be gloomy. So if you think about like all of the scandals we've been through, it's like, oh, that's not supposed to happen in San Diego, you know, but yet... It's happened again and again. You can go back to the like taxi scandal back in the, the day. The San Diego pension scandal. Duke Cunningham scandal. Raided City Hall in the so-called Cheetah Gate scandal. And... From Voice of San Diego, I'm Maya Shri Krishnan. And I'm Adriana Heldes. This is San Diego 101. A short history of San Diego politics. For this short history, we're going to go back about 18 years, so around the time some of our region's newest voters were born. The people, the events, and the scandals that have shaped San Diego and made it what it is today. This is what we think you need to know to get your bearings in local politics and understand why things are the way they are. A three-part history. Part one, strong mayor. 2004 in particular was a really weird year. That was the This year is Scott Lewis. Died. He's the CEO of Voice of San Diego. As a journalist, he's been covering San Diego politics for a long time. And in 2004, a lot of crazy political stuff was going on. For Donna Fry for mayor. So she uh, there was a lot of scandals going on in the city of San Diego. There was a lot happening at this time. Here's where our short history starts, 2004. And she decides to do this incredible write-in campaign. It was pretty wild. But one thing that defines this time is the creation of the strong mayor form of government. And they made the switch to a strong mayor form of government where the mayor would be the chief executive. 
And I think that 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 raised the stakes of mayoral elections in particular, but also city council in a different way. There was a city council president for the first time. And it just, it set in motion that you would need more movement politics to succeed in San Diego. So you kind of- People in the city of San Diego voted on this change in 2004. It was implemented in 2006. Before 2006, the mayor would sit on the city council with a cool title, but not a lot of extra power. There was another job called the city manager, and they managed a lot of the day-to-day government stuff. The strong mayor now has a lot more power and influence. They have veto power over the city council. They oversee the police department and appoint the police chief. They're the chief executive with final say over a lot of city operations. And the city manager job became obsolete. This change in local government structure marked a new era in San Diego. The change also included adding a ninth seat on the city council, an odd number to ensure there would be no tie votes. But we'll talk more about that in part two. And also in the early 2000s, there was Cheetahgate. In fact, the weekend I arrived was the week that they raided City Hall in the so-called Cheetah Gate scandal. And um, that was my first introduction to San Diego politics. So there were three city council members, Michael Zuquet, who is currently on the port and runs the largest employees union at the city of San Diego. Uh, he was a city council member and two others, Ralph Nzunza and Charles Lewis, were um, being investigated because they had supposedly made quid pro quo deals with a strip club operator. Quid pro quo, a favor for a favor. And Zuquette was later exonerated, but Nzunza spent uh, some time in prison and Charles Lewis unfortunately died the next year. A lot going on there. But this is one of the scandals that seems to define San Diego politics. Like you heard at the beginning of the episode, San Diego has the promise of sunshine and warm beach days and cheery small town politics. But really, we get June gloom, overcast 4th of Julys, and politicians being accused of making deals with the strip club to change rules in their favor. Three San Diego city councilmen were involved in this. One died, Charles Lewis. It wasn't related to the scandal, just a crazy thing that happened in the middle of an already crazy thing. Then there was a scramble to replace him in a special election. The other two, Michael Zuquette and Ralph Nzunza, were up-and-coming politicians, but they had to leave. The scandal took them down. In the early 2000s, the political makeup of San Diego was different than today. The Republican Party was the establishment. But it wasn't the Spitfire, Tea Party, MAGA, Trump camp it is today— But it also wasn't progressive. Things hummed along, and the same group of people stayed in power and kept making the decisions. These are like, you know, grandpa, nice guys who I I used to joke, um, you know, Greg Cox and Ron Roberts. They're like, gee golly, they're going to, you know, give you a a lollipop on the way out. They're they're pleasant. It it wasn't like um, some sort of crazy kind of what we saw the Republican Party become, but Nothing changed in San Diego, and everybody was just happy with the nice guys. But it did eventually change. Part 2. Labor and Maps Around 2007, a polarization started in San Diego. 
big voices were emerging on the left, the Democratic Party and labor groups. To many, this voice was embodied by Lorena Gonzalez, a Democrat and now state assembly member. The state assembly is half of California's lawmaking body. Like Congress has the Senate and House of Representatives, California has the state Senate and the assembly. She's in the assembly. A big deal, too. You've been hearing her throughout the episode. So my name is Lorena Gonzalez-Fletcher. I am the assemblywoman for the 80th Assembly District, which is the southernmost assembly district in California, representing the communities of City Heights on down to the border, really, Barrio Logan. She was key in local politics at this time, as labor groups were organizing. Let's take a second and talk about labor. Can you sort of um, describe labor's role in politics to someone who isn't really familiar? In a, I guess, ideal world, everybody would be completely informed at what's going on in every aspect of government. Every school board, water board, city council, county um, government, state government, federal government, and really be able to say... um, These are my values and these people align with them and this is a easy, well-researched decision. The truth is no, very few people have the time and ability to go that deep into every single race, into every single um, position. And as a result, so often at the bench level, right? At, at the at the school board, the, the water board, the planning commission level, um, the people making those decisions are hyper-involved. And because they're hyper-involved, it's because they usually have time to be involved. They're retired, they're wealthier, they tend to be whiter. Um, traditionally, they tend to have um, spare time and a, a, an ability to, to engage in a civic way. Um, and then who's not involved are, are the kind of people who government actually affects their everyday life and sometimes just don't have the time to seek out who is that water board member who's really going to fight for, you know, my pipes to be replaced in my neighborhood so we don't have lead water. I mean, the, all these questions. Well, what labor has done um, in San Diego is it's the biggest and really only um, truly well-funded organization to promote and distinguish on the political level all of those answers. Like, so if you know basically what you believe, and I believe that people who work for a living um, should be making a living wage and should have health care and a, a small retirement. I believe that, you know, work is good and, and we should benefit that. You have these beliefs and then you, you can find somebody to line yourself up to when it's time to vote. Labor is a big collection of things. It's groups that represent working people like electricians, teachers, employees of hotels and restaurants. Um, and it sort of bands all these interests together and tries to make changes that they think reflect the needs of all of those people. And they spend a lot of time and money getting involved in elections, finding candidates they think will win and move their agenda forward by supporting and endorsing them to try to get positions in government. Now, in San Diego, labor unions are often very intertwined with the Democratic Party. Around 2010, they were working hard, organizing among themselves to try to change San Diego. They quickly became a major force in San Diego politics, focusing efforts on communities south of the 8 Freeway, the workers they represented, and galvanizing them to vote. And at this time, around 2010-2011, there's something else happening. Something big. 
redistricting. The 2011 redistricting process literally changed the political map in San Diego. A new city council district was created, District 9, covering City Heights, Talmadge, Kensington, and the college area. It became the second Latino empowerment district to try to balance representation for the people in the city. So much changed in that process. One of the biggest was for the area that covered Mira Mesa, Kearney Mesa, Claremont Mesa, Rancho Penasquitos. It became a district to represent and empower the Asian American and Pacific Islander community in San Diego, today's City Council District 6. And by the end of the redistricting process, some council members didn't even live in their districts anymore. Some didn't represent who the district was made to represent. It shook up the political game board everyone was playing on. Now, with the new city council and a major player in the mix, labor, there's a new era on the horizon. Part 3. Bob Filner and the Rise of the Democrats. And in those next two years, we ran programs um, south of the eight uh, year round, really, to engage voters and to continue to ensure that they, um, well, asking them what was what mattered to them and, and how we could like lay the foundation. And then if you see the 2012 election, that was a culmination of a lot of hard work. Obviously, it was a good year um, nationally, but it was a great year in San Diego. I think we won um, nearly every race that, um, and when I say we... Now we're looking around the year 2012. And like we said before, Lorena and the folks in labor are focusing south of the 8 freeway, engaging people in smaller cities and communities of color, largely Latino folks who had not been voting before. And it turned out well for them. They put a lot of energy into those two years, 2010 and 2012. It was at that point, um, not just labor, but the Democratic Party. There was also a marrying of, of labor with the Democratic Party. Big year for the Democrats and the labor movement in San Diego. And one of the biggest, most controversial, and wildly San Diego-specific figures blew onto the scene that election, Bob Filner. You look at somebody like Bob Filner, though. He comes out of nowhere, runs for mayor, and makes it. Uh, 2012, he he wins that election. That seemed like the moment where it had flipped finally, where it was now a Democrat's seat. And and the other thing that Mayor, the election of Mayor Filner showed people, though, is that you could be progressive in San Diego. He was unapologetically progressive. The same people, the old, nice grandpa Republicans, as Lorena put it, had been in power for a long time. Now, a big Democratic energy in the form of Bob Filner was the chief executive of the city, and he was making moves. But this is San Diego, remember? We've got June gloom and scandal. Late word from San Diego, where embattled Mayor Bob Filner, facing allegations of sexual harassment from at least 18 women, has resigned. NBC's San Diego Joe City Fire Council Fire. has voted to accept Bob Filner's resignation by a seven to nothing vote, and that resignation is effective. Call the women that I offended. I had no intention to be offensive. Now, I am responsible for providing the ammunition. I did that, and I take full responsibility. 
Just a year after his election in 2013, Bob Filner was forced to resign. Several women in San Diego accused Filner of sexually harassing them over the years. A defining scandal for San Diego politics. The Democratic rise, with a progressive, fiery Democrat as the chief executive of the city, faltered. In another special election to replace him, a Republican, Kevin Faulkner, stepped up. And his falling apart, by the way, I think ushered in a, a false assumption from the Republicans that they were still relevant because they got another seven years in the mayor's office after that happened and probably wouldn't have gotten that were it not for that. Faulkner led the city as mayor for seven years. Republicans held the chief executive seat in the city, even as the city council changed into a supermajority for the Democrats. It wasn't until 2020, when Todd Gloria was elected as mayor, that Democrats got that position back. And as we're recording this podcast, at the end of 2021, there's just one Republican left as an elected official in City Hall. That's Chris Kate. So I was elected to the city council in November of 2014. He's in the final stretches of his term right now. Every city council member, when they're elected, gets two terms max, four years each. And some expect that after Chris Kate is termed out, a Democrat will get elected. Making an all-Democrat city council and a Democrat mayor. That's always a possibility, right? I mean, in politics, anything anything is possible, really. And I think what I've tried to to underscore with whomever my predecessor is going to be, is that I think and I feel that my district... That's the Asian Pacific Islander Empowerment District, District 6. ...is very much a district where they focus on the issues that are going to impact them every single day, which are issues related to public safety. It's their streets, it's their parks, it's their libraries. You know, I've won two elections now where Democrats have outnumbered Republicans by double digits. You know, I, I've i won in a district that some could argue should have been won by a Democrat. And it didn't have anything to do with me out there with the typical, what you would, what some would say are Republican talking points or whatever else, or being a partisan by nature, but it's more taking what I believe in and why I'm a Republican and communicating that to voters and how that it would impact their everyday lives. So even if the district stays the same in terms of its demographics or gets more more Democrat voters than Republican voters, I still think a Republican win in the seat, assuming the individual wants to work hard and is willing to knock on doors and convey a message of of what they believe the district should be represented by. I think a Republican win the seat, even if it continues to be as lopsided as it is today. Chris Kate, one of the few high-profile Republicans left in the San Diego region, says part of the reason why things are the way they are now is because his party has a communication problem. The Republican Party itself um, hasn't done the best job of defining a message to new voters. And, and folks that are more diverse or minorities and, and trying to be a relatable party to them. And so I think there's a message issue that goes along with that. And you know, I'm, I'm partly to blame for that as a Republican as well, is that you know, what are we doing to attract new voters and convey a message of who we are and what we stand for as a party to, to voters? And that shifted, I think, post-2014, and we 
almost got lost in what we were about and what we were trying to do locally. Now, in 2021, almost two years into the pandemic, facing another redistricting process to shake up our political maps with labor as a major force in the region, more diverse representatives and people than ever, and plenty of scandals behind us and certainly some in our future, San Diego is overwhelmingly run by Democrats. And at the county level, because of term limits that were put in place by a ballot measure in 2010, the county board of supervisors changed too. The five supervisors who run the government of the region of San Diego also became majority Democrat for the first time in recent history. But despite all this movement, all this organizing and progress for the party that prides itself on progressive views and reform, we're not running like a big progressive city, the eighth largest city in the U.S. I think it is, it's more diverse, but it's more uncertain. It's, it's unclear to me what big things and 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 major changes this this group will try to take and whether that's whether there is something more powerful about San Diego that will continue and and that being like it's still just easier to go along with things as they are you know in some of the work you're doing about redistricting the same thing there's i think there's a there's a there's a inertia to preserving things that is is going to be very difficult to overcome, even when you elect people from different backgrounds and different um, perspectives. I think that that, that still has a, a, a power here. There is an aversion to conflict. There's an aversion to, um, to change that is, is very powerful here. And I'm uncertain, as I said, like what how that will be resolved with, with what are very strident and clear calls that it be disrupted. San Diego is at a crossroads of understanding who we are as a city. Are we a big city or are we a small city? Tides always turn, right? I think there are always shifts in politics. It's 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 um, there there are waves, right? On the other side of the break, three things to remember about San Diego's political history. We've covered a lot of ground this episode, just about 18 years of political history. Number one, local government is supposed to be nonpartisan, but nonpartisan government is only that in its name. Everything is governed in a partisan nature. So that means that the party that a politician is in will determine how they govern. Number two, everything is intertwined. The information you get is coming from those who are looking forward to the next election and maybe the one after that, more than they're willing to tell you. You need to find all the info to make informed choices, following local news, checking sources, and understanding history. And sometimes that's hard. And number three, San Diego is at a crossroads of understanding who we are as a city. Are we a big city or a small one? 
Are we progressive or just maintaining the status quo? Who you elect will determine where we go from here and how the city is governed. San Diego 101 will be back in your feed in January 11th. Take care and we'll talk to you then. Feliz Año Nuevo. San Diego 101 credits. San Diego 101 is a product of Voice of San Diego. Hosted and produced by Maya Shri Krishnan and Adriana Heldes. Produced, edited, and mixed by me, Nate John. Additional support from Megan Wood. Learn more about San Diego and how it works at sd101.org. That's sd101.org. San Diego 101 is made possible with support from the Langler Benbow Foundation, the Parker Foundation, and the Seuss Foundation. Additional support from Gulper, Sullivan, Rivera, and Osuna, and Bloodhurst and O'Reardon, LLC, and the members of Voice of San Diego. Support SD 101 and become a member now at vosd.org slash member. San Diego 101 and transmission. Goodbye.